the greatest gift that you can give to God, the greatest gift that you can give to the world is to fulfill your potential. If you really think about it, you at your fullest potential is the greatest gift that you can give, the greatest legacy that you can leave. And so much of what this world, so much of what other people that are small-minded, so much of what that does to us if we pay attention to it diminishes who we are, diminishes the value that we all carry. And so it's got to start with an affirmation from the inside. You've got to encourage yourself. You've got to get around people that are positive and cheering you on, especially if you're in a new season, because that's when you're feeling the most alone. Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. We are fortunate today to have Mike Kim. Mike is the Chief Marketing Officer at MEK. He's also a speaker and business consultant. Mike is the host of one of my favorite shows, the Up and to the Right podcast. You can learn more about Mike by going to MikeKim.tv. Welcome to the show, Mike. Dude, I am so excited to be with you. Likewise, man. And you and I have been talking now for a little while, and so this was meant to be. It had to be. And today we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it the day before tax day is due. So we're going to be the relief for everybody that's listening after they get killed by their tax. Yeah, if you're in another country, then don't oh, worry yeah, about yeah. that. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, the icebreaker, which you're well aware of, is what is the best concert that you have ever been to? Okay, there's two ways I can answer this. Probably what I remember most as a concert. And then the secondly, what's the most, I guess I would say, marriagely correct answer. So I'm going to answer it the second way, because two summers ago, my wife got me tickets at the New Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium here in New Jersey, not New York, New Jersey, to see the one and only U2. And that was really epic. It was amazing. And the funny thing was that she bought the tickets and she told me about them later because they were a surprise for my birthday. And she said, I'm not sure why these tickets were so expensive, but hey, you know, it's for your birthday. And we didn't realize until we got to the stadium that she had bought like club suite level tickets where people (laughs) sit for the Giants games. So we're actually pretty far up, but they were really nice seats. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And I've been listening to you two since I was a kid. So it was awesome. (laughs) Okay. So you're a musician and you play a lot of different instruments. Are there any U2 songs that just really resonate with you? Like if you had your instrument, you'd bust that out and that's your jam. This will be really typical for all the musicians that are listening, but I love Where the Streets Have No Name still. Great that song. guitar riff is just something that, I don't know, just gets your blood flowing. It gets you pumped up. And I have been known to scream my lungs out in the car by myself, of course, pretending I'm the edge. I have a pretty cool guitar. It's one of the ones that he plays. It's called the Gretsch White Falcon. And if you've ever seen it, it looks like a guitar Elvis would play. And it totally doesn't fit my personality. And my wife thinks it's a little weird. But yeah, there are days I dream I'm the edge. (laughs) That's cool. That was my nickname in high school, by the way. Oh, dude, I could see it totally. I could see it. (laughs) No, not at all. You know, I think for the listeners, if you're at a red light right now and you look over and you see someone of the Asian persuasion screaming at the top of their lungs, it might just be Mike singing. Yeah, I'm going like, yeah, I'm doing the riff like in my head. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, don't be alarmed. Okay, let's go to blank versus blank. Obviously, two options and you pick one. This one is burgers. So Shake Shack versus White Castle Burgers at a wedding. Oh, okay. For those who aren't aware, I was at a recent wedding where they just started handing out after two hours at the reception 
cases of White Castle hamburgers. We're like, what the heck? This is so random. And, as they uh, should. Yeah, as they should. <laughs> and so I had like two or three or 12. <laughs> but I will say I tried Shake Shack for the first time a couple weeks ago, and it blew my mind. So Shake Shack for sure. Yeah, if you don't have Shake Shack where you are, then you just have to look at Mike's Instagram. Yes, they're pretty <laughs> awesome. All right, speaking of Instagram, which is more gratifying, receiving an American Express gift card for your student getting into the top-ranked high school in New Jersey versus bartering marketing skills for free food? Ooh, I think marketing skills for free food because the place that (laughs) I want the free food from is a Filipino joint right down the street. And Jared, you probably know a thing or two about Filipino food, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and I just can't stop eating it. And I'm like, I just want this. And I'm really concerned for them because their marketing, honestly, is not really very good. And I'm like, if you guys go out of business, I'm going to have to go see a a psychologist or something. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would trade the marketing to keep them in business so I can be their sole customer. (laughs) (laughs) So you're also philanthropic. Okay, but that's not to say you're not supporting (laughs) education. Obviously, there's a story you helped a high school student. Would you be willing to share that real quick? Yeah, one of the things that I do, I'm the chief marketing officer at our company. It's an educational company. But one day a week, I actually still teach classes for junior high and high school students for their English. And it's a test prep kind of course. And I've been doing that since I was younger, right out of college. It was something I did on the side, and I was pretty good at it. So when I came to work at the company, my boss asked, would you be willing to teach like one day a week? And I was like, sure, this is kind of cool from the marketing side because I can still touch like the clients and the customers. And so we went through this program for a few months and a bunch of my kids got into a couple of the top ranked schools in the country, which are down here in Monmouth County in New Jersey. And you'd never hear of them because they're so small. But like 400 people apply and like 40 get in every year. It's crazy. And a bunch of them got in. So I got some cool props from the parents and it was really, really gratifying. So cool. An American Express gift card. So what did you buy or what are you going to buy? I am going to buy. I am declaring it right now. I'm going to buy a PlayStation 4. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. (laughs) All my roar productivity is going to go down the drain as soon as I get it, but I have to get it. So, yeah, that's what I'm getting. All right. Well, that scratches all the productivity questions I was going to ask you later on. (laughs) Okay. So you are a musician, and we talked about that. Keyboard versus acoustic guitar versus slapping the bass with two fingers. Okay. I love to slap the bass, but I'm not a bassist. Everyone said I should be because I'm pretty big, so I have bigger hands. But I have to say that I'm much better at keyboard than I am at acoustic guitar. But as fits my path of, most of the time, least resistance personality, I learned acoustic guitar simply because I got sick of carrying keyboards around everywhere. They're really heavy. So, dude, I need to play acoustic because I could just pick it up and leave. And that's seriously how I started playing. That's interesting. How long have you been playing? Probably since high school. So... Let's see. I'm not so good at the math. Maybe 16, 17 years. But I've started piano. Yeah, but I played piano when I was like little. I took lessons since like every Asian kid has to take piano (laughs) lessons. I don't know if you guys all know that, but every Asian kid has to play some sort of classical instrument. And mine was piano. (laughs) Oh, I'm laughing because my wife is Filipino and she had to learn piano when she was little. So that's Yeah, it's like piano, piano or clarinet or flute. And I'm like, just let me play the least girly one. 
like the one that I'm going to feel the coolest playing. So I went piano. <laughs> okay, Mike, finish this sentence. If you ever attend a wedding and someone is handing out White Castle hamburgers, <laughs> what do you do? You just eat them. It's rude not to. They bought them. Yeah. Down them. They're, they're trying. Like they're trying fast. to help you. Yeah. So whether it's two, three, or twelve, as you said, twelve. All right. Yeah. So more of a serious finish the sentence. When making a difficult decision, when making a difficult decision, make sure that you're coming from a place of health. I recently went through a couple of major decisions in my life, especially pertaining to career. And the one thing that I decided I would not let happen ever again in my life was to let burnout be the deciding factor. Because when we're burned out, we don't see straight, we don't feel straight. We can't see the entire picture. We're just frustrated. And if there's one thing that I've learned this last year is to embrace the idea of necessary endings. If you haven't read that book by Henry Cloud, anyone listening, pick it up. It's called Necessary Endings, one of the best books I've ever read. And just don't let burnout be the deciding factor. Let every other thing come into play except for burnout. All right. So, Mike, it's very likely that someone's listening and they're saying, that's me. I'm burned out. (laughs) So what do you say to that person, Mike? I would say this, start with what your life would look like without whatever's burning you out. I know that sounds really simple, but when you're burned out, you can't even imagine. It's like you lose the ability to even think and compartmentalize what's burning you out because burnout is contagious. It spills over into every other area of your life. So I think we've all been through this before. Like, you know, you're burned out at work. And then it affects your personal life and affects your health and it affects obviously your finance and your overall happiness and your spiritual life and just everything. It's like contagious. And to the person that is burned out, I think that you've got to start with just trying to understand, okay, what is the source of all this? If this one thing could be removed, what is that? And then you can look at taking action steps to see how to alleviate that and make it better. All right. So, Mike, you mentioned that you and your wife have made some decisions specifically regarding your career path, and you've had to do some starving the doubts, so to speak. So would you be willing just to talk a little bit about what's been going on? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the last year and a half has been a pretty crazy ride because for the last 15 to 18 months, I've been working three jobs. And it wasn't out of necessity, but it just happened. It all fell in our lap. So I took the chief marketing officer position at my company, and that's a 40-hour to 60-hour-a-week commitment. I have a lot of responsibility at work doing all that stuff. And then I was pastoring a church part-time. We stumbled into this kind of long story made short, but we stumbled into it, and it was a great fit for us. But I just did it on the weekends. You know, It was a smaller church, and we were growing, but I didn't need to be there 40 hours a week or so. So we wanted to help and serve. And then what happened was, as I was going through this journey, I started blogging and I just started using it as an outlet for what was happening in our lives. And out of that, a consulting business was born and I didn't even plan for that to happen. So I ended up with three jobs and I was like, wow, all three are going great. However, I'm now working over 80 hours a week, every week, and we've got to make a cut somewhere. We've got to find margin somewhere. And so we had to make a decision, and that was really, really tough. Sure. Yeah, so I guess let me show you like how we got to it. I was really fortunate to have a life coach at the time when we were going through a lot of these changes. 
And she said to me, Mike, you know, you really enjoy doing all three, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. We love doing all three of them. I don't know which one to put down. If any one of them were terrible, it would make an easy decision. And she said, I want you to sit down and picture what your week would look like with just one of those jobs and do it for each job. And so she had me compartmentalize the jobs, right? Like I was saying before, and I imagined what my work week would look like just doing marketing, then what it would look like just doing consulting and what it would look like just doing pastoring. And then she said, after you do that, call me back and let me know which of the three sound the least appealing and which sound the most appealing and why. And I came back and I did the exercise and I said, well, I think I would find doing the church the least fulfilling because I've done it before. I have a really, really long background in ministry. I've done church a lot, really well, and all this sort of stuff. And you know, Jared, it's so funny because I started listening to your podcast at the time. And the theme is, of course, starve the doubts. So you know what I did? I was like, I'm going to pick the one. I'm going to pick the path that has the most doubts and the most unknown, and I'm going to go with it. And that's what I did. So we resigned from the church a couple of weeks ago. We made the announcement several months ago. And it's kind of scary, man, because that's what my identity was in for a long, long time. But I had to starve the doubts and just kind of move forward. So we're going forward with it. All right, Mike. So there's a lot of stuff that you just hit on. And I wish I had an hour. Okay, so let's just try it once. Let's compartmentalize here. All right, so do you find some people simply don't think big enough? Yes, I do. But I think that where that stems from is probably what they've been told all their lives and what they've started to believe about what they've heard about them their whole life. I'm a big believer in this notion that the greatest gift that you can give to God, the greatest gift that you can give to the world is to fulfill your potential. If you really think about it, you at your fullest potential is the greatest gift that you can give, the greatest legacy that you can leave. And so much of what this world, so much of what other people that are small-minded, so much of what that does to us if we pay attention to it diminishes who we are, diminishes the value that we all carry. And so it's got to start with an affirmation from the inside. You've got to encourage yourself. You've got to get around people that are positive and cheering you on, especially if you're in a new season, because that's when you're feeling the most alone. You, Jared, your podcast, your show has been a great source of encouragement to me. Even though we've only talked one-on-one a couple times, I feel like I've got a community, like your community is cheering me on. And so that's what I would say. Just think big, but start with yourself. Start within yourself and think big. Well said. Mike, most of the people that listen to this show probably have a blog or they have a podcast. They definitely have some kind of web presence. And most people are interested in bringing more traffic to that. So what's one thing a person or a listener could do to bring more traffic to their site? If I had the one solution for that, I think I'd be on top of the world, right? But I guess I'm, I'm going to sell this right? podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I guess the one thing I would say is just share stuff that is obviously valuable to people, but be you. Recently, I did a reader survey on my blog, and I was blown away by the responses that I got. They were kind of all over the place, so it didn't help as much in terms of dictating what I would do with my blog, but it did help me 
paint a picture of the person who's reading my blog, or at least the two or three type of people that are reading my stuff. And in marketing, you do the same thing. You know, when we're working on a campaign or whatnot, and we're writing copy or putting together a whole chain of emails, I actually have a picture of the ideal person that I want to read this. And the more targeted I get with it, the more results and traffic that we get out of those campaigns. It's the same thing with my blog. So get to a point where you're really having a face-to-face conversation with somebody and let that content just come out of who you are. And if it's good enough, people will flock. The other thing I would say, Jared, is just be consistent. I mean, that's the biggest thing. The discipline of being predictably punctual, of showing up in someone's inbox at a very expected time builds that trust that people can say, well, I know it's Monday or Tuesday and I'm supposed to get a blog post from XYZ. And that's the biggest thing that long-term drives a lot more traffic to your site. Sure. All right. So you're not just a blogger. You also have a podcast I mentioned in the intro. It's one of my personal favorites that I listen to. and, And I mean that. And so what advice would you give to the listener who's wanting to start a blog? And then after you share that, maybe someone who's interested in starting a podcast. Okay. Well, I think starting a blog, you start with why. You said before, a lot of times people tend to think very small-minded. Think big with your blog because if there's any place in the world, anything that we can do nowadays with technology, we can make a big impact from the very beginning. Technology allows us to reach more people theoretically in like one year than we've reached maybe in every year combined previous before we've started a blog. That's the amazing thing about it. So, um, yeah, it is. It's crazy. So in starting a blog, I would just say have a strategy for it. I usually tell my clients this, you know, set up a landing page with a quick bio of yourself and a lead magnet, something that you want to give away to people that's valuable in exchange for their email address. And then just let it sit there. And while it's sitting there collecting email addresses, write guest posts, network, Get to connect with other bloggers who have bigger stages and audiences than you so that you actually create some relational rapport. And once you get your email list up to whatever number you want, whether it's 100 or 500, 1,000, launch your blog and ask all your friends to help you get the word out. And then from there, you'll already have an audience so that as soon as you start pushing out your first couple of blog posts, you'll have people that are reading it. Yeah. What about a podcast? Yeah. Now with a podcast. Okay. So I started my podcast two months ago and I've got to say I took the quit route because I took Cliff Ravenscraft's podcasting A to Z course. And dude, that, move. Yeah, dude that thing kicked my butt because I was just afraid of wasting money because I was like not getting the assignments done on time. So it lit a fire under my butt, you know, and I was busy at the time. Like I was saying, I was still working those three jobs and I was like, man, I got to stay up a little bit longer and get all this stuff done so that God forbid, I don't launch this podcast before the course is over. So that was an external. I think the class is going on now, but it's a great course. It'll get you up and running. But the one thing I guess I would say in podcasting, starting that way, it's in many ways much easier than blogging because you can just talk and share a lot more content. For me, it's a lot more natural. But because you can share a lot more content, you've got to prepare a lot more content. So the one piece of advice that I would give to anybody that is starting out or thinking about doing a podcast is to map out your first eight to 10 episodes, like what the topics are going to be about. It's almost like in football where they script the first couple of plays of the game and create a content marketing calendar so that you're not saying, oh, what am I going to ramble about this week? (laughs) And in podcasting, (laughs) more than anything, you need to deliver consistently, like we both know, so that people know to expect new content. So, yeah. 
Mike, you like to read books, and what are the top three things on your reading list that can help marketers? Oh, wow. Okay. The top three books that I would recommend for online and offline marketing. Number one, start with Tested Advertising Methods. It's a classic by John Caples. It's all about copywriting. Whether you're a blogger, whether you're a marketer, whether you're a podcaster, you need great copy, especially in headlines. So that book will help you. I don't even think you can get it online anymore. It's only a print product, but it's worth every penny. I carry it around in my backpack, just so you guys know. I'm the CM of our company. I still carry that book around everywhere that I go because it's a great reference. The second book that I would recommend is Ogilvy on Advertising by the class. It's a classic as well by the king of marketing. David Ogilvy has great pictures. If you've ever wanted to know how to capture someone's attention visually, this is the way to go. And, you know, Jared, I mean, we both know it's being reflected in the changes Facebook has made recently. They're going to this more news kind of headline ish thing. And they're featuring the pictures more. So that will give every marketer out there the raw skills they'll need to really kind of just get their head around marketing through storytelling. So Ogilvy on advertising. And the third book would be Seth Godin's Tribes. And Seth writes, I know he's been a guest on the show, really succinct. He doesn't really have chapters, but the whole notion of a tribe is that's a word that we hear a lot now in the online space. But that book, quick read, but will totally shift the way that you think about marketing, but also the way that you think about you. Because you said before, what happens if you think too small? Well, if you think too small about yourself, you'll never be a tribal leader. And the one thing I've learned about leadership is that you've got to have some confidence in yourself. You've got to think that you've got something to offer to people and insights. So those three books, killer, killer resources. (laughs) It's real easy in the online space to really put a lot of effort in, but if you're not very clear and have a game plan, some people can get discouraged. So what encouragement do you offer to those who are online, but right now they're feeling discouraged? Oh, if you're feeling discouraged, keep going. That's part of the price. (laughs) That's part of the (laughs) price that comes with the territory. One of the things I really like to do, this will sound maybe a little bit sadistic or whatever, but I actually save all my hate mail. I save the complaints (laughs) and I put them in an Evernote file. And I don't do it out of spite, you know, but I use them as an encouragement to myself that, you know what, I'm going down the right direction. You know, if I'm meeting some resistance and a lot of the comments that you get from people that discourage you or whatnot are like what I said before, they're there to beat you down. But if you can rise above that, you can rise above anything. And discouragement is one of those insidious kind of under the radar things because you can't always pinpoint the face of disappointment or discouragement. Sometimes it's like you said. We don't get enough blog traffic or nobody's reading my blog. I would just say, if I could see you guys face to face, anyone that's listening, just keep going. I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is. I know how lonesome it can be. That's when you've got to reach out and it'll force you to reach out to other people that understand what you're going through. But keep going because the person who keeps on going is the person who's going to be rewarded. Was it Michael Jordan who said you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take? Something like that. And you've just got to become really good at encouraging yourself and starving those doubts. And that becomes a skill, I think, for any entrepreneur, any online presence, marketer, platform builder, for sure. So, Mike, you're creative and you have, I'm sure, tons of ideas all the time. So how do you stay focused on great ideas versus ideas that are 
not as great. Oh, <laughs> that's hard because I think anyone who is creative has about 18 great ideas that are going to change the world <laughs> at any time. And you've got to really filter it down. So this is what I do. This is going to sound completely anti-creative, but when I have ideas, <laughs> right, I create an Evernote file and or in my Moleskine notebook, I just jot them down. And when I have all these different things that are vying for my attention, I actually set up my phone and turn on a 15-minute timer, and I work on each idea just for 15 minutes. And that gets me through the messy middle or like that feeling of like trudging through it. One of the great illustrations that I share when I speak is this, that if you can discipline yourself to work on every idea, almost like you're cultivating a little plant in a greenhouse, just do the work, it will filter out by itself. And the way that I get through that kind of messy middle or the sluggishness is turning on that timer and saying, I'm going to show up for those 15 minutes and I'm going to plow through it. Even if my attitude is terrible, even if within the first two, three minutes, I think it's a terrible idea, I'm going to plow through it. And Jared, I don't know about you. Let me turn this around on you. Do you like to work out at all? <laughs> I am, uh, <laughs> I'm doing the Fitbit and trying to run. So okay. that's my working out for now. I think the key word I heard there was trying, you know, and <laughs> I think <laughs> it's the same for me too. Like I don't really love working out, but consider this example. Like every day that I show up to work out, I do this P90X3 routine. It's 30 minutes. So it's more manageable for my time. My sure. attitude stinks. Like every day that I show up, my attitude is terrible. My wife hears me complain. I'm like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to work out. And the thing is, I just keep showing up and keep pressing play. And what I realized was that even if my attitude is terrible, my body's actually still getting in shape. You know, they're not directly related. And right. if I just show up for those 15, 30 minutes and do the workout, halfway through my attitude changes. I don't know what chemicals happen in my brain that make me a little happier that happens when you work out. But in the end, I end up more productive, more healthy than I would have if I just did anything based on my attitude. So back to the point about focusing on so many different things. I just show up like that for 15 minutes at a time, despite my attitude knowing that I'm exercising my creative muscle. And after those 15 minutes, I can kind of reassess what I want to do with this thing, whether I want to keep it on the shelf or not. And that's how I get focused. All right, Mike, professionally, what are you most proud of? Oh, well, professionally, what I'm most proud of is helping people feed their families, you know, helping the solo entrepreneur, helping the small business owner actually grow their business through their marketing, through consulting, and they can say to me, Mike, we were able to buy a new car because of what happened in our business working with you. Or, for example, I don't want to reveal their name because of sensitivity, but one of my very first clients was a wedding photographer. And he was amazing. And as I got to know him, I didn't realize this, but he had a young son who needs to have a tracheal tube still inside of him after a couple of years. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's trying to start his business. He's an amazing photographer. He called me for help. And I'm like, as a solo entrepreneur, as a solo businessman, if I can help him, I'm going to help him literally pay for his kids' medical bills. We did it. He tripled his business within the first year because of what we worked on together. And Jared, I tell you, there's no feeling in the world like that. Getting that kind of email from somebody and knowing that you really help them directly, their families, their kids, it's just amazing. That's what I'm most proud of. It's exciting to hear that you knew what to do to help him triple the business. That's fantastic. So, all right, we're going to start wrapping up, Mike. Who is doing something that interests you? Oh, Jared Easley. That is so easy. <laughs> Guys, Jared did not pay me to say that, but I've been watching Jared now for eight months 
I guess from afar and listening to the podcast, but man, dude, I want to encourage you. I want to take this time. I know I'm on your show, but I want to encourage you. You're doing amazing things. Your reputation precedes you. What you're doing with the podcast movement. Uh, I know that we're going to release some info on the podcast movement very shortly this week. I saw the surprise box on Facebook and everything. And dude, you are doing amazing, amazing things. And I would be really interested to see what you're going to be doing in a year from now because you've affected so many people's lives already but you know what you're doing it and the way that you open up your platform to have co-hosts on the show to give them opportunities that nobody else will give them jared there's no way that you're not going to be successful even more so than you are now so you're the one that i'm paying attention to well mike i want to triple my business so i plan on keeping in touch with you all right <laughs> so- dude i'll help it any way i can yeah for sure awesome so what is the best place for the listeners to connect with you online Okay, the best place is my blog at mikekim.tv. All and everything that's about me is there, including my podcast up and to the right. If you are a small business owner, a platform builder, an entrepreneur of any sort, and you don't have any background in marketing, that podcast is for you. I designed it to almost be like a crash course on marketing for people who didn't go to marketing school. They're just busy making widgets. They're busy making their business succeed, and they don't have time to read all this marketing stuff. That's who the podcast is for. The blog is just other stuff that I share on leadership, personal things, marketing, of course, but that's the best place to find me. I love it. So do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Here's my final thought. You are more valuable than you think. You've got something unique that you are called and assigned to share and impart to this world before you're gone. So do the work, develop yourself, fulfill your potential, and give us all the benefit of receiving from the value that you can add to us. Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Best wishes to you and Iris and the plethora of things you're working on. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll be having you back on soon to do some follow-ups. So oh, I appreciate it, man. I'd be honored. And everybody who's listening who's a podcaster, come to Podcast Movement in Dallas in August. <laughs> you have to come. We all want to see yeah. you. I'm going to be there. Jared's going to be there. We want to meet you. So come out. Yeah, come just to hang out with Mike Kim. That's always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, I'll, Mike. I'll, I appreciate I'll, it, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll sing a U2 song for you guys there. That's what I'll do. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold you to that. All right. Karaoke. Awesome. All right, thanks, man. I actually save all my hate mail. I save the complaints, <laughs> and I put them in an Evernote file. And I don't do it out of spite, you know, but I use them as an encouragement to myself that, you know what, I'm going down the right direction. You know, if I'm meeting some resistance and a lot of the comments that you get from people that discourage you or whatnot are like what I said before, they're there to beat you down. But if you can rise above that, you can rise above anything. And discouragement is one of those insidious kind of under the radar things because you can't always pinpoint the face of disappointment or discouragement. Sometimes it's like you said. We don't get enough blog traffic or nobody's reading my blog. I would just say, if I could see you guys face-to-face, anyone that's listening, just keep going. I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is. I know how lonesome it can be. That's when you've got to reach out, and it'll force you to reach out to other people that understand what you're going through. But keep going because the person who keeps on going is the person who's going to be rewarded.